You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Turning your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for your kindness, incredible hospitality. It's been just such a treat. I honor your sectional leadership, presbyter, secretary, our district youth, sectional youth leaders. Appreciate Rutherford. These are just great people. I've never got to spend time with them until this week, and I honor them. Just incredible. And I'm glad to have another cop on my side. That's uh, appreciate that. Thankful. Our sectional secretary, man, I'm I'm impressed by uh, just their spirit and camaraderie and the work. He's an evangelist. I tell every pastor in the house, you ought to keep him busy. Keep him busy and help get his schedule busy. Don't let him. I think we ought to fill the rest of his year up. Don't let him have to wait on a single week. Don't we, thank God for, don't we thank God for young men that follow the call of God to preach? Amen. I honor all of our elders that are in the house. I'm so thankful for you. And I echo thank you to the young people and young adults that have made this, uh, made an investment of your time and resources to be here. Appreciate my friend, Brother Heil. Sister Heil, these are good people. Been friends with them for several years, very gifted and talented and serving this district for a long time. I honor them. Thankful again to have my family, my beautiful godly wife, my four amazing kids, Kanan Carver, Cadence Kaysen. I got them all right. Delighted that my mom and dad are here. Special for me to have them here. My mom is here to make sure I don't preach too long. Uh, she will let me know if I do. She teased me in the office. I'm going to get you right now. She teased me. Looked down. She was putting some candy in her purse. She said, I'm going to need this if the preacher goes long tonight. So, <laughs> And I got to read my scripture. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble for making you stand too long. Verses 1 through 3. <laughs> She's my biggest fan. I'm teasing. Are you at First Samuel chapter 30? If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, you can look at the screen. You can cheat a little bit. And uh, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and they burned it with fire. They didn't just take everything. They burned the city with fire. Verse 2 says, they took the women captives that were therein. They didn't kill them, they took them. They carried them away and they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Now I will tell you, it is a thing to be thankful about that they were not destroyed completely. But it was still a miserable sight that they had been taken captive. Jump down, if you will, to verse 10, and I'll read through verse 15 from verse 10 so that you'll know until we'll be done. David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook before. He started with six, but 200 grew too weary, and 400 continued with him. Verse 11, they, they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David. They gave him bread and he did eat. They made him drink water. They gave him a little cake of figs. Two clusters of raisins. Really not that much. But when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. He hadn't eaten any bread. He hadn't drank anything. Three days, three nights. David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? This is what he said. He said, I'm a young man of Egypt. I'm a teenager, if you please. Servant of an Amalekite. My master, he left me because three days ago I fell sick. 
Watch this. He said, We made an invasion on the south of the Cherethites, upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Then David turns when he should have become infuriated at the young boy. And he said, Can you take me to this company? And rather than simply saying yes, the young man responded, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor give me back to my old master. If you can do that, I'll take you to the company. I'll stop there for the sake of your time standing and tell you that I want to preach to you about the ones that hell left to die. The ones hell left for dead. Would you throw your hands towards heaven? Come on, gathered in this beautiful church. Don't we honor the Romines in this beautiful church, this beautiful church family, the history, the legacy. We stand here in generations of his, his history, this building, the extravagant presence of God that we feel. I pray that you would move on the minds and the hearts of every young man and every young lady in this room. I think that your word is going to reach beyond just youth and young adults and even to elders that are in this place. But I pray that you would not only captivate us by your word, but make us responsive. Responsive to the reality that we were made for more than just surviving, but that we were designed by you with great purpose. You have intention for our lives. I pray that you would help me to deliver the word. Not just in a way that someone might like the sound, but let the Holy Ghost do a sovereign work where lives can be strengthened. Let any person under the sound of my voice that's never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let them repent and be filled with your spirit this night. Let it happen supernaturally that they would begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Let young men and young women, let adults in this place be refreshed and renewed. Let the bread of your word and the water of your Spirit, let it come into our lives this night, we pray it. And let everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated tonight. You know, it's, it's hard to consider one of your heroes fighting for the enemy. It's rare that I ever during preaching would speak about particular teams. But being where I am in Illinois and yet so close to St. Louis... I feel a witness in the room. Whether it be flesh or spirit, I am not sure. But history has given us examples in the sporting arena of individuals who were championed by one team and then traded to their rivals. Because I wish your minds not to veer too far off course, I'll reach way back. We would consider individuals like Lou Brock, who was traded from the Chicago Cubs to the St. Louis Cardinals. Calm down. <laughs> Babe Ruth, the great Bambino, traded from the Red Sox in Boston to the Yankees of New York. It's hard, hard to have a hometown hero that gets traded to someone else and now plays for a rivaling team. I can tell you where I was seated after I had just finished a night at camp when they came to me and told me the first time that LeBron James had just made a public announcement he was leaving us in Cleveland. That place almost lost it. 
we had repentance in the altar, then we had a second move of repentance. In the story of the text, I would tell you that it would have been hard to picture David while he's holding the lifeless head of Goliath there in his hands with the early fog of the morning still burning off in the sunlight of a rising day. It would be hard in that setting to picture a day where he himself would be infiltrated and even willing to fight with the Philistine army. Many of you, that's even news to you. This scripture that I've read, not real common in your ears. You are familiar with his meadow meeting with that tall giant Goliath. But many of you are not accustomed or acquainted with the reality of David. And his time that he has ran and that he is actually with these wearied men and these renegade men. Willing to fight with a Philistine army. David is in a unique place. He's in a place where few people in history have ever been. He's in a place where confusion is at an all-time high. But the settings and the dynamics are truly almost overwhelming. Now confusion, however... Is something that most of us have felt. Fear, trepidation, anxiety are things that almost every young person in this room has felt. I would tell you that the great enemy we're fighting today, more than physical, is mental health. It's the battle up here. Our opening text in 1 Samuel 30, walks us into a portion of Scripture with important historical significance in the continued tension between Saul and David. David had been on the run for some time from Israel. He had been living amongst the Philistines for years during the reign of King Ashish. As the army of the Philistines were preparing for battle, David and his over 600 men stepped to the front of the line only to be shunned by the Philistines and sent home. David and his army of 600 renegade men really feel the sting of rejection. They weren't wanted here. And now they're not even wanted here. I'm not only... Not wanted in Israel. I'm not even wanted by the Philistines. Feeling the rejection from Saul was one thing. Many had come to the conclusion by now that Saul was a madman. But the insult of being sent away by the princes of the Philistines. This, this was a new low. Yet with the thought of war beginning to slip from their minds they begin drawing near to their home city of Ziklag everybody say Ziklag that's right that was where they called home it was a home for these renegade warriors it's where their families it's where their homes it's where their children were it's where they spent their nights when they were at the safest place in this unique season of their life for miles Hours, days, the thoughts of the men had rested upon their wives, their children, and the feeling of home. Possibly, imagine with me, they could already taste a nice home-cooked meal. I'm sure with the dust in the air as they rode upon the beasts, the thought of a cool drink was close to the front of their mind. Mentally, they were preparing to hug the children and much-deserved rest was coming so close to them. However, the pictures painted on the canvas of their minds were soon stripped away when in the distance, coming from their home's horizon, 
was the unpleasant sight of smoke rolling into the air. Imagine with me, if you will, I can see the confusion on their faces. I can see the trepidation begin to grow and show in the expressions that are across their mouths. The, the men are overwhelmed. This massive rebel gang seizes forward, tired and weary on their journey, but now they are fueled by an anxiety. As they cross into Ziklag, their fears are brought to reality. What they had seen from a distance became true up close. Their city was, in fact, burnt to the ground. There was no sound of small children. There was no beauty of wives to behold. Only smoldering destruction underneath their feet. Their homes were destroyed. Their wives, their children were gone. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 4, that they lifted up their voice. And it's one of the most powerful yet shortly penned phrases. They wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been somewhere like that? David himself, who had been the leader this renegade group of men are ready to turn on him. In fact, the Bible tells us that they were about to stone him. But David, at the verge of being stoned, calls for Abiathar to bring the ephod. While holding the ephod in prayer, David asks God two questions. God, they're about to stone me. I need to know, shall I pursue the troop? And if I do, shall I overtake them? It's interesting to me that David did not tie those two together. He was willing to go even if he meant that he would lose as long as he was willing to give it a fighting chance. But he was not willing to enter into a fight that God did not give him authority to get into. Uh -huh. We don't go looking for fights. But we don't cower from them either. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Don't be a coward. With the men ready to stone him. With the city in smoldering ashes in front of him. Somehow, God's reply to David was simple. Pursue. Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now we find ourselves back at the opening text where David and 400 men, there were 200 that could not make the whole trip. And sometimes when our brothers get too weak, we have to fight on their behalf. The 400 who could continue with David, they continue forward. And while on their recovery mission, they find a young Egyptian boy who is half dead in the field. They bring him to David. He is beaten. He is malnourished. He is exhausted. They begin to give him bread. They begin to give him water. They begin to give him this cluster. They begin to get strength in him. And David starts the interview process with him. David says, tell me about who you are. And he responds to him and says, I am in fact a young man, a teenager, if you please, from Egypt. I have been a servant to the Amalekites. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick but the boy couldn't stop talking he keeps talking my my master left me but let me tell you what we did we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and and upon the coast that belongs to Judah and and upon the south of Caleb and I've got to try to picture the look on David's face the expression of anger and rage in the years that lean forward around the room when the young man said and we burned Ziklag with fire knowing that it might have been this boy who held the torch to their home 
But David knew enough about servanthood and slavery in the day to recognize all this young man had been doing was exactly what he had been instructed. I feel David kind of looking at him like this, the way that I want to speak to you and ask you to put yourself in the young man's shoes while I would ask these words. You're telling me that the enemy convinced you that he purchased you. Then not only did he ruin your life and abuse you, but he recruited you to do his dirty work for him. And after you did everything you were told to do, he rode off and left you to die in the dust because you weren't feeling well. He said you were too sick to continue when the truth is you weren't sick, you weren't being fed. Uh Uh-huh. He wasn't sick. He didn't have anything in him because as soon as they gave him something to eat, he began to feel strength again. David looks at the boy fresh on figs and grapes and says, do you think, do you think you could take me to them? I got two conditions. I got a couple of conditions and that's it. If you got your Bible, I want you to open it up. We're going to read it together. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verse 15. 1 Samuel 30, 15. If you're there, I want you to read with me. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you to this company. If you won't kill me, and if you won't give me back to my old master, I'll take you to where they're at. You've got to imagine it like me. That the Amalekites have gathered there in the valley. Because the Bible goes on to tell us that David, led by this Egyptian servant boy, this teenage Egyptian who had been left to die three days ago, they are led by this boy to the hideout of the Amalekite army. And when they show up, they are in the middle of celebration. And there are David's wives, and there are the men's wives, and there are David's children, and there are the men's children, and there are the spoils of their house. And the Bible says that all day long, from the evening until the morning, that David and his men began to utterly destroy and recover everything that had been stolen from them. But hear me right now. It was not because of David's ability. It was not because of the skillful tracking of those great warriors. It was because of a teenage boy who had been picked up and given some bread and given some water that said the servant thought he left me for dead, but I'm about to turn into my old master's worst nightmare. I wish you could see it with me while that old master from the Amalekites looks up toward the hillside and a crooked smile comes across the face of that little Egyptian slave. I see him something like this. Remember me? Remember me? I'm the one you thought was dead. I'm the one you thought was defeated. I'm the one you thought was destroyed. But look at me now, baby. If that, if that Amalekite master would have known the destruction, he'd have killed him while he had the chance. Here we go. Some of you in this room, if he'd have known what you really have, he'd have killed you years ago. But you're still here. You're still here under the power of God. And you've never had a better day. You've never had a better opportunity. Become the worst nightmare hell has ever seen. You've got the ability locked inside of you. 
like an Egyptian servant boy that should have died along the way. Some of you know you should have died a while ago. Some of you know that you shouldn't have made it this far. You've been abused and you've been neglected. And he's beat up on you and he's beat up on your family. Maybe everybody in here has got a perfect family. Maybe nobody in here has got a mom who's crazy. Or an uncle that nobody wants to talk about. Or maybe, just maybe, in the several hundred that are in this room, there are people that will recognize when he found me, I was face down in the dirt. When he found me, I was coughing up. I was malnourished. I was beat down. I was down to my last breath. But when he found me and he picked me up, and when the preacher started preaching the bread, and when the spirit began to flow, it was like water. It was like water on the inside that makes me never thirst for anything else. When I found the grapes or when I found the fruit of the spirit, no, I'm not perfect, but I'm not who I was. And I feel like I'm ready for a fight. I feel like I'm ready to destroy the old master. Come on, I wish somebody in here would square your shoulders and serve hell notice. If you're looking for a fight, I'm ready to fight. Some youth pastor that's ready to fight on behalf of your young people. Some pastor that's ready to fight on behalf of your youth How many be honest and wave? You just know you shouldn't be here. Come on, some of y'all got a life. No, I've been wonderful. Never done anything wrong. I don't know what it was that crippled you. I don't know what it was that got you into the hands of that previous master. I don't know if you played your way in. I don't know if you listened your way in. I don't know if you talked your way in. But somewhere along the way you ended up outside of your homeland and under the control of a master that purchased convinced you that you were his property and you didn't even recognize it along the way and I'm not sure what it's been that has done it to you I'm not sure what you've been through that has caused you such distress but here's what I know tonight he did not find you to leave you that way he did not bring you into the church for you to still feel worthless he did not bring you into the body of he didn't bring you into the body of Christ for you to believe that you still got to be a servant to sin. You don't have to be a servant to sin any longer. You don't have to be a servant to the things of unrighteousness any longer. In fact, I've come to tell you, I'm looking at a bunch of young people hell left for dead. And while he thought he destroyed you, God has given you life and he's given you life more abundantly. You ought to lift your voice as loud as you can and magnify God for what he's done. Come on, I'm talking to the young person that feels like hell chewed you up and left you to die. Maybe you got mixed up in the wrong crowd. I'm sorry if you were abused. I hate sin. I'm sorry if you were molested. I don't, I don't expect you to just forget it. I hate sin. That is about sin. I'm sorry if you were neglected. I apologize if you carry the scars. Maybe you've got abandonment issues because of what happened to you. But I'm telling you, the enemy of your soul watched it all happen. He watched the divorce. He watched them die. He watched you crumble emotionally. And he watched you fall in the dust of your life. And he watched you sleep through the sin of your own humanity and call it normal. And he gathered all your belongings. And he gathered your joy. And he gathered your pride. And he gathered your self-esteem. And he gathered all of your blessings. And he's been throwing apart in the valley but I've got a news flash for the enemy on this night in March I'm not who I was come on somebody testify right now I am not who I was I know you left me to die somebody ought to tell him you should have killed me while you had the chance I've never felt so strong I've never 
felt so much authority. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven. And I want you to say the same thing that young boy said. Don't let me die and don't give me back to my old master. Don't let me die and don't give me back to my old master. Brother Smith, I believe we need powerful young people. Powerful apostolic young people that are not intimidated. I don't think we should be arrogant, Brother Carson. No, but we better be confident. I think arrogance stinks in the nostrils of God. But I don't think it stinks much worse than cowardice does. I don't think we need false humility. Oh, just thank you, praise the Lord. I think when you get the Holy Ghost, something happens to you. Something keeps you from being embarrassed and intimidated and backward. We do need boldness. We do need the boldness that they preached about in Acts. We, we do need that boldness because we ought to remember where we were and where we were going. And what. Here's the problem. We, stint, we spend too much time thinking about what crippled us and not enough time thinking about what restored us. Well, things could be different if, if only they would have stayed together. If only that wouldn't have happened to me. If only they wouldn't have. And I understand that. And I told you, I, I hate that. But think of where you would be had he not come along and found you. Aren't you glad the youth pastor knocked on your door? Aren't you glad a pastor got up and preached? I've never felt it any stronger than what I feel it right now. Aren't you glad somebody rode into your town one day and began to preach the gospel? I'm telling you, this gospel will find its way into every back alley. It finds its way into every prison. And it's bigger and badder than your school. It's bigger and badder than the varsity team. It's bigger and badder than the ideologies and the custom. It is the most powerful Woo. praise God for a moment just praise God for a mm. come on praise him that you didn't die back then some of y'all forgot you've forgotten you've forgotten that you should I've been doing this too long. Some of us have been in church so long, we have forgotten who we should be. We have forgotten who we would be. But we've got to come to fresh memory. If it was not for the grace of God, if it was not for the mercy of Adam, had it not been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. But he found me. I'm still glad he found me. I was left for dead, but he brought me back to life. I was left in the field, but he came and found me. Romans 6. The bachelor, I'm just going to go to the text. Romans 6. Romans 6. If you got your Bible, open it up. If this ain't highlighted, it ought to be. Mm. Verse 12. Mm. Let not sin, therefore, reign. Let not sin be the master in your mortal body, that you should obey the, in it the lust thereof. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from what? Woo! Don't expect me to act dead in church because I'm not. Don't expect me to act like I don't care because I do. Don't expect me to act ungrateful because I am grateful. I am going 
going to I am going to yield my members as instruments unto God because I'm alive. Yield your instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Give me some young person that just shout not over me. Sin ain't going to have dominion over me. Mm-hmm. You're not under the law, but under grace. You're not under that old taskmaster from the Amalekite. You found grace in God. Our lifestyle is not bondage, it's grace. It's freedom. Next verse. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. I can't sin. It's because you're under grace. It's because he found you. You think that that Egyptian boy four days later after he had his belly full and was burping up grapes was thinking, man, I'd sure like to be back in the field. Makes no sense. We forget what he's done for us. If we're not careful, we forget about the hurt and the depression and the. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin. Unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Got to nudge your neighbor and tell him he's about to preach to you right now. He's, he's coming after. Nudge your other neighbor and tell him he's coming after you. He's got two verses and he's coming after you. <laughs> yes, he is. Verse 17. But God be thanked. That ye were servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which, which was delivered you. Verse 18, last one I'll read. Being then made free from sin. You became servants of righteousness. I didn't stop being a servant, but I did change masters. I used to serve sin, but now I serve one that is mightier. John said, there cometh one after me who is mightier than I. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. He looked at him coming that day and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I got news for you. I don't live this way because I have to. I choose this. I yield unto righteousness. Come on, section four. You're not living this way because your mom says. You're not living this way because your pastor makes you. You're living this way because you yield your members unto righteousness. Because you know hell left you for dead, but God picked you up. He picked me up, and he turned me around, and he placed my feet. Come on, like the old song says, he picked me up from the miry. He set my feet. He brought me out. So here's my question. How could we possibly act like everyone else? How could you possibly think you're going to fit in with everybody else in your school? We're all the same. No, we're not. No, we're not. If they're getting drunk on Friday night while you're here, you're not the same. 
If they're looking up pornography every night while you're thumbing through your Bible quizzing, you're not the same. And I got news for you. You ought to be thankful with every fiber of your being because you could still be a servant to sin. You still could be serving unrighteousness. There ought to be something hit this room right now in the recognition. I should still be in a field. I should still be lost. I should still be undone. But devil, look at me now. I know everything hasn't been perfect. I know that sin affected my family, but I'm still here, and I'm full of the power of the Holy Ghost. You ought to lift your voice. Come on, you ought to lift your voice, and you ought to begin to magnify the Lord in this Let every hand and every voice be extended right now. Come on, begin to shout unto him with a voice of triumph. Woo! I want every young person... I know I'm isolating some. I want every young person that feels a call of God towards ministry on your life, run to the front right here and stand by me. You feel a call of God to ministry, I want you to run to the front and stand by me. Not running, but you're coming fast, and that's good. I need one of you girls that's not real shy that can kind of help me. You okay? You're not shy? Okay, step up here. You got to act a little bit, okay? Remember me? Okay, hold on. I need a guy. Come here, dude. How old are you? 11, come here. What's your name? You waiting on the punchline? That's about how I think the Egyptian teenager was. When he was standing there and the Amalekite master. This is how I feel like we ought to leave this sectional revival, Brother Russell, in the spirit. I think we ought to throw our hands up and look at hell that tried to destroy our family and tried to wreck our mind and tried to ruin Remember me? I'm the teenager you said wouldn't be anything. I'm the teenager whose family you messed up. I'm the young man who you... Remember me? Remember me? I'm not nothing after all. I'm not worthless after all. Remember me? Remember me? Remember me? You better remember me because I'm about to be your worst nightmare. I'm about to be the greatest show winner my school's ever seen. I'm about to go home and do something that everybody's been talking about. Remember me? one you convinced was worthless I'm the one you told was no better than a dog look at me now color back in my skin got a full appetite I bet that Amalekite master watched a little grape juice dripping down off You know what? It's time for us to turn from acting like cowards. And cowarding down. God, I just really need your strength. I think it's time to go from this to this. We ain't been in three nights of section four revival so that we can walk out still hoping that someday God can use us. We've been in this revival so that we could walk out of here tonight with our shoulders square and our spirits strengthened. I know you left me to die, but he already climbed a cross a long time ago, and you thought you owned me, but he purchased me. According to this book, with his blood, I know you said you owned me, but this book told me that he 
owns me. I know you tried to convince me that you own me, but he purchased me with his blood. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven, young men and young women. And I want you to begin to pray the strength of God like never before. Come on, lift up your voice. I want everybody to stand in the building that's not. And I want you to stretch your hands towards heaven. you're an Egyptian. Quit thinking you're a servant. Quit thinking that your best days are over. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants you to be a minister of the gospel. He wants you to be effective for the kingdom. You ought to throw your hand. I'm telling somebody right now. Somebody that's been fighting the call of God to preach. Somebody that's been fighting the call of God to missions. I'm talking to you right now. You're meant to do more than lay in the field. You're meant to do more than attend church. You got a call of God on your life. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want every pastor, youth pastor in the room, come. Come. Those that are in this building, some of you still feel that call and you haven't come. You've been fighting it. You feel a call to ministry. I'm asking you to run down while we start to pray. Pastors and youth pastors are coming. Those of you in the front of this room. Every time you go to prayer, you're reminded of what the dust takes like. Every time you try to go to prayer, you're reminded about the divorce. Every time you go to prayer, you're reminded of the old wound. Every time you go to prayer. But I've come on this Friday night to tell you, you are not who you used to be. He left you, but God did not. He found you. His men picked you up. His minister came to where you were. Come on, let those tears fall, but let them be tears of joy. Let that prayer come out, but let it be the prayer for confidence. Let that authority ring from your lips, right? That's it, young man. That's it, young lady of God. You ought to pray until you violently almost pray in tongues. Until you pray with authority. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you need the Holy Ghost right where you are, God will fill you with his spirit. If you lift up your hands and ask him to take every sin away and you will yield yourself unto righteousness, he'll fill you with his spirit. You'll begin speaking with other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. He'll fill you with what you need to have the strength of God. Come on, feast on the bread. Feast on the water. Feast on the spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, lift your hands, young people. Come on, be full of the spirit. Be strengthened in the spirit. Be encouraged in the spirit. Ah, the Spirit of God. Come on, it's the truth that brings freedom. Oh, yes. Come on, you're strong in the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, yes. 
Come on, lift your voice. It's like a war cry in this room. Begin to say hallelujah unto the Lord. Someone begin to say glory to God in this room. Uh, now I want you to look at me and I want you to listen to me the Bible says that David and those men can read it for yourself they recovered everything Nothing was lacking to them. Not small nor great. Well, that was just that was just a little not small nor great. They weren't missing their sons or their daughters. They weren't they weren't missing any spoil, any of the little knickknacks they took from the house. They took everything. That belongs on my nightstand. They took everything, every little ounce of joy that had been taken. Said, I didn't come this far and fight this hard to leave it here. Only God can give the kind of victory where you take back what you thought you had lost. It's one thing to save your life. It's another thing to get some things back in restoration. It's a third thing to get everything back. I tell you tonight that you cannot have everything you were designed to have unless you are full of the Holy Ghost. I mean that. Because according to Acts, the first chapter in the eighth verse, you receive something after the Holy Ghost comes on you. Does anybody know what it is? It's a power. It's a power that you cannot feel face down in the dust. It is a power that you cannot feel like a servant in a field. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost, and you said, well, I got the Holy Ghost, but I made a horrible decision. The enemy strung me along for a while. You don't know how bad I messed up. You don't know what I did. No, but I know his grace is sufficient. And I know that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Even if you know the answer, I want you to turn to everyone close to you. Look them in the eyes and ask them this question. Have you ever spoken in tongues when you received the Holy Ghost? Ask them. And don't be, if you haven't, say, just say no. If you have, say yes. If you're in this room and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking with other tongues and you want it, you're about to get it right now. And if you're in this room and you've received it in the past, hold on, hear me. I just felt this. I felt this before. I felt it right now. I was going to go past this and felt a check. Some of you in this room, you received the Holy Ghost years ago, but the enemy has convinced you that you did not speak in tongues, and that was not of God. You hear me right now. God's going to restore that for you right now. You're going to walk out of this house in confidence.